Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, good evening to you. Good evening, Andrew. How are you? I'm okay. I'm a bit unaccustomed to doing this podcast at uh, 8 o'clock of a Monday evening. I thought, you know, you were um, unable to do it the usual time this morning, and I thought, you know what, that might actually be quite good, because maybe something will happen Mm. during the day. There'll be some excitement, some news, but really not much has. We're on the precipice of, of things happening, aren't we? I think so. We're just waiting for, I don't know, dominoes to fall or or just shit to happen, I guess. Fax machine. It's usually fax machines, isn't it? I think so. Do they still use those these days? They insist. That's, they absolutely insist. That's your next video. <laughs> why why football clubs use fax machines in this day and age? It'll be a really uh, lengthy, rational explanation as to why that is. Yeah. The, the default choice of technology. <laughs> no, we, it is a weird uh, thing. It's kind of like, it's as if we are excitedly awaiting the good news, but the good news remains tantalizingly out of reach. It's like a load of Christmas Eves in a row if you're a kid. Yeah. You wake up, it's Christmas Eve, it's going to be Christmas tomorrow. And then you wake up again. It's like sort of Groundhog Day for football transfers across with like Christmas Eve. I'm struggling yeah. with this one. It's gra- it's Christmas Eve day. Correct. With the Groundhog. House- but. Go on. Well, I'm just sort of, you know, I'm the crumbs that exist. I'm attempting to sort of gather them into a morsel. Um, I saw some news this evening about Granit Xhaka. Correct. Being close to his move. I mean, he's been close for ever such a long time, but we know he doesn't move quickly at the best of times, Granit. Mm. Um, And yes, lots of uh, seemingly quite reliable reporting that he's close to a a transfer for the fee of 25 million euros. So my my pleas were heard. They were. Someone listened to the podcast and said, you know what, just to... Make James's life a little bit better. We should get more money for Granite Jacket. We'll yeah. insist on some more cash. And that I will guess make it was it... Leverkusen. They... they were listening and yeah. thought, that guy seems really a little bit perturbed by how cheaply we're buying Granite Jacket for. I heard Chabi Alonso insisted. Really? They... On the extra 10 million euros? Yeah, he insisted. I read it on somebody's Twitter, I think. Chabi Alonso insists on paying more for Granite Xhaka as Granite Xhaka edges closer to his move to Bayer Leverkusen. Mm. So. It is a concrete possibility <laughs> that he may join Granite uh, Leverkusen this summer. I mean, I do feel a bit better about that. Do, does, do you think... I mean, that seems more it's, correct. It seems right? more aligned with the market that we are operating in when we're buying players. Yeah. That, that you know, we're we're we always seem to be 
charged top dollar for whoever it is that we're after. But when it comes to getting top dollar for our own players, that's that's been a bit of a struggle, it has to be said. So I think it is, just in general terms, more in line with some of the prices that we're seeing this summer for players, um, you know, regardless of where they're going. I just saw a story about Burnley buying a Manchester City child. Mm. A child for £15 million, maybe going up as far as £19 million with add-ons. He's a goalkeeper called... James Trafford. James Trafford. I mean, there's... 19 million British pounds. I mean, who is James Trafford? Uh, he is... He spent the season last season on loan at Bolton, which I think we can all agree is the perfect preparation for playing for Burnley. Correct. He was born in Cockermouth. Sorry? I beg your pardon? He was born in <laughs> Cockermouth. <laughs> oh, Right. That's much better. Mm. He's six foot six, and he's mm. twenty years of uh, of age. Excuse me. Um, Don't and worry; it, it could be hard to talk with Cockermouth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, that was pure coincidence when I said Cockermouth. I just <clears throat> had a little frog in my throat. Um, I mean, that's extraordinary. You know, that's I mean, mad. I think yes, that's good money for Granite Shaka now. Or certainly better money for Granite Xhaka. Acceptable money for Granite Xhaka, I think it's fair to say. But we sold Bernd Leno for 28p yeah, last year. Bad. That's like, I'm just going to pick a player from our academy. That's like us saying we're going to sell Ovi Ejiheri for like 15 million quid. 20- Imagine, we'd be dancing in the streets yeah. of Dublin and Muswell Hill respectively. It's a bit mad. How do they? How do these clubs do it? Twelve million guaranteed for a goalkeeper who's twenty from Cockermouth. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just the novelty value of, of of the name, the place name. I don't know. That is extraordinary. Mm. Um, well, listen. Personally, I feel like Granite Xhaka, I still believe, should cost comfortably more than Cockermouth Boy. Right, yes. Uh, so I would like even more money, but if that's the going rate. But uh, I feel a little bit more at peace with this deal. Yeah. Maybe uh, Chabby Alonso's listening again and he'll think, oh, Jesus. I hope so. If, old... if you listened last week, yeah. why would you not listen this week? It was if a banger old... of a show. If old Cockermouth is going for 15 million, we're going to have to pay a bit more to keep James happy on the Granite Shacker thing. But, I mean, do you think that that deal has been on hold because Arsenal have been trying to negotiate upwards? I mean, it's possible. Or, you know, is it a case that has been on hold until we've been absolutely sure of of doing the, you know, the deal, the big deal that we wanted to do? Or is it a combination of all of those things, maybe? Probably a little bit of both. I, I did hear that, that Granite had been told, look, we're not going to do this until we get somebody in. Um, and I think Granite being Granite, he was a, a little bit grumpy about that because he wanted it all tied up before the end of the season. He wanted to say, oh, by the way, guys, I'm going before um, what would be his farewell game. But, uh, you know, Arsenal wanted to get their ducks in a row. And if they've got a bit more money out of it as well, then that's that's great. I mean, something tells me that this might be one of those deals where 
in England, it's reported as this fee, and in Germany, it's a few million lower. Mm. And I guess we'll never really know kind of what the exact structure of the fee is going to be and what he has to do with Leverkusen for it to max out around that £21 million. But listen, it's, um, it's better than I feared. So uh, I, I am pleased with that. Even if I still... I still harbour my concerns about about not about letting him go. It's the right thing to do to sell him. It's just that he was very good. That's all. Okay. Well, look, I think we can acknowledge that he was very good, but also the fact that it is the right time to sell him. I think you're you're right there. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing when you start getting good as a team, you've got to get rid of players who are good to you know to move on and develop and evolve and all those kinds of things like how many podcasts did we do sitting here going oh god i really just can we not just get rid of that guy can we not can we not just send him away yeah can, you know why you is being that generic, guy still it's non-specific here? you're not I'm, thinking of particular player. i'm not thinking of any no i'm not i, I won't dignify that with a <laughs> With a response, I just mean that there were many times that we sat here and we bemoaned the fact that we just could not get rid of players who, you know, frustrated yeah. us. And now we're in a different situation. We're in a different ballpark. It's nicer. We're going, yeah, it's good. It's the right thing to sell. The money's okay. But it's easier or not as uh, not as easy, you know, to say goodbye to somebody who's given you, you know, pretty good moments in the in the last couple of seasons. So no, and also it, it's it's just, you know, it's a classic kind of, uh, I suppose, conservative way of thinking. But it's sort of the certainty of something you know versus the uncertainty of something you don't. Especially because it looks like we might be replacing Granit Xhaka in some way, shape, or form with Kai Havertz, and, it, and it's such an unknowable really how he'll do in that role um and listen that's one of the most exciting things about next season and could be a massive step mm. forward for the team yeah but we we were just sort of feeling in the dark a little bit there do you think we're going to get a, a piece of content from granite shaka will it be just like a message on his instagram or do you think you know he might want to make I a think more do a little video yeah you know like the Aaron Ramsdale new contract one where he walked out and sat down in the chair very solemnly. And I genuinely feared he was going to tell us he was dying or something. It was incredibly <laughs> serious. Um, uh, I feel, I think we'll get something like that. Yeah, I think so too. Probably. Uh, after it'll be, all, it'd be like, you know, we, do, we've, we haven't always got along. We certainly had our moments cut to, you know, crystal palace and the booing off. but I, I feel that we understand each other. And now we are family. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could write this, to be honest. Yes, I'm sure somebody Slightly will. Slightly delivery as he's reading it off a prompter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's probably in the region of what we're going to get, for sure. <laughs> and, I'll, and listen, I'll retweet it. I'll lap it up. I'll enjoy it. You might retweet it. Depends if Twitter works or not. Oh, you just, just don't How are you know. finding all that? Couldn't give a fuck. It's, I mean, let's not, let's okay. not get into it. <laughs> um, so that's We've got really the Discord. The, uh, We've, got Discord. The Discord. We've got the Discord and the Discord is good. Um, if I've fucking completely forgotten what I was going to say there. Don't worry, Granite Shack. Uh, Granite Shack, yeah, that was about video. it. 
that was about the only thing that happened today. I do feel like it is going to get busier as the week goes on. I'm not I'm not hinting at anything. I just feel like that. Yeah, I saw there was a sort of internet conspiracy theory. My mate Tom pointed it out to me. Certain days of the Arsenal tour have been cancelled this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. This is great kind of ITK stuff. Congratulations to the Arsenal fans for turning this up. But yeah, I think... Is it a... Uh... Complete days, or are there just certain times on Hang on, let's days. have a look. Well, I originally heard there were two days, and then he he sent me a screen grab, which only said one day. Some route closures, stadium tours will close at 1 p.m. on the 3rd of July. That was today, due to mm. club activity. Oh, I know what that was. Was I, it? Um, I don't think we can say. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what it was. <laughs> and there was some talk of that again happening later in the week. Yeah. Listen, who knows? Who knows? Um, so I, I think we are close to things happening. Not not as close as you might like. Mm. Like the, the Declan Rice one, I was over the weekend, there were a few little bits and pieces I heard that made me think, oh, that might happen really early next week. Mm. And now I think actually... Uh, it's going to be later than that. Um, but nothing to worry anybody. Like, I don't get the sense that there's any great jeopardy at this point in time. Just chill out, guys. It'll be all done in August. There'll People no like problem. to have their holidays at the end of the day. Just Christmas Eve after Christmas Eve after Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then one day it will be, it will be Christmas Day. And... Well, the thing is, when it is Christmas, do you know what I mean? And mm. they parade... Um, timber and rice it's like christmas day you know when you've given all the presents and there's sort of the wreckage of wrapping paper everywhere sure. and you're sat in that pile of sort of commercialism you feel a little bit like sick that you've partaken in this kind of capitalist idea of the festive season mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as good as you think christmas eve's the best bit this is when we should be at our happiest that's a really good point Christmas Day gets increasingly underwhelming as you get older as well, you know. Um, That's true. But it's all ahead of you, of course. You're going to have lots of fun Christmas days with a with a new guy who's going to be excited by the whole thing. He won't, yeah, he'll be thrilled. He'll be thrilled about the entire concept. What did you get me for Christmas, Daddy? I got you Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> be a hell of a present. It would. Big box with a bow. Amazing. Don't forget to put some holes in it, though. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want him opening it up and just this... I think slump. that what you'd do is you'd fill the box with grains of rice and he'd uh, open it and he'd be like, what did you get me? What did you get me? And he'd be like, Dad, this is just uncooked rice. And then you'd be like, uh, keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually he finds a hand. <laughs> it's like, what? It's, it's bluer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, this has gone terribly wrong. You'll uh, never pass the medical in this state. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, it, it is a kind of curious in-between transfer purgatory sure. in which we currently exist. So we might as well just do some random questions in, in order to find things to talk about while we're sure. on this. Jasmine Declan Basmati Rice says, uh, what's your favourite rice dish? I'm going to – I just – Plucked this. I'm going to say kedgeri. I don't know that. Really? What? Yeah, what is that? It's like a sort of colonialist nightmare of a dish. It's, uh, 
I think it dates from like the Raj, but it's essentially a breakfast dish of rice, um, smoked haddock, right, and egg. But it's a lovely breakfast. I have never had that or heard really? of it. Yeah, or encountered it. No, no, I haven't. I love, I love it. It's great. I think uh, mm. it's not something you come across all the time, but I do like it. I think that could be a bit much for me for breakfast, to be honest. What's your favourite rice dish? Um, it's not that easy. You see, you it's not that. Catcher, I tell you really, what. No, you now. do you know what I did one night? I was sitting at home and we were watching some kind of food show, and there was this guy little tattooy chef i can't remember his name but he used to hang around with burdain a bit and stuff like that and he talked about this i think did they call it like an heirloom rice where they sort of brought back a a, a variation of rice that had been almost extinct mm. they called it carolina gold that's the carolina gold rice and I, the, what they were making with it looked delicious right amazing now, I'd had a couple of drinks. A couple of weeks later, a fucking very heavy package arrives at the house, <laughs> which is like seven kilos of this rice mm. transported from America to Ireland. It cost... I, I better check. Did you dig deeper in the rice? Uh, did find a hand, but yeah, let's sure. not go into it. Um, so it costs as much to send the rice as the rice cost itself, and it was uh, outrageously expensive. But they have a recipe thing on their um, on their website where you get the rice from, where you make sort of crab with the rice with peppers and um, what do you, what's that Madeira wine kind of a sweet wine, and you you know mix the rice up and mix the crab up, but then you sort of sear the rice on the bottom so it becomes this lovely crunchy crispy kind of blackened rice on the bottom but you have this amazingly uh, moist crab uh, dish underneath or on top or whichever way it works so that would be my favorite rice dish i mean yeah listen you know we've both spent some time in spain you can't you can't dismiss paella from this conversation no you can't good paella is always good and um yeah um did you see the players were back today actually they were back yeah Yeah. i did see that i saw a picture of Mikel arteta looking what's going on What's going on with his hair? It looks. Am I am I imagining it, or is he is he beginning to get a bit of grey? I think maybe the run-in may finally have mm. seen the immaculate blackness of his hair compromised. Um, I mean, there are things he can do, you know. Yeah, be interesting to see if he takes that step or becomes a silver fox. There are some definite flex. Mm-hmm. Could be the For sunshine. Sure. Could be the sunshine, maybe. Bit of salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he looks worse for it, though. I think he I think he rocks it. Yeah. Listen, as a man with no hair, I think grey hair looks fantastic. If you well, offer me grey hair tomorrow, I'm yeah. shaking your hand on that deal. <laughs> <laughs> who was back then? So people who weren't involved in the internationals. Ben White I mean, was back. Yeah. Ben was the there. The photographers have been enjoying Ben White. Of course. I mean, how could you not? Uh, Rob Holding was there. Of course. Um, who? Uh, Cedric was there. Cedric always finds a way. 
Of course. <laughs> uh, Marquinhos? Marquinhos? Gabriel Jesus? Um, Trossard? Yeah, I'm just having a flick through here. Um, Eddie. Eddie's, Eddie's there. Um, a lot of Ben White. Yeah. Probably a lot of Marquinhos as well. Uh, I mean, it looks like they were mainly doing, you know, uh, sort of assessments. Yeah. Where, you know, like, let's see if you can still jump high. Can or... you run anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Did you spend your uh, few weeks off ingesting the world's best rice dishes? <laughs> um, but they all look smiley and happy. Why Cedric was, you know, uh, got the old... Um... What are they doing there? EKG or something? Looking at the pictures. They've got him. Yeah, it must be. Hooked up to something. Hooked up to something. Seeing if they can actually. his Arsenal career. Extract the value from him with little (laughs) mining tools or something. Yeah. Um, Um, Well, he. Interesting one, Cedric. He went to Fulham, right, on loan. And mm -hmm. basically, they promised him he was going to play. And he very much didn't play. No. I, I don't know if you noticed that, but he had his old manager, uh, Marco Silva, and it was basically a disaster of a loan move for him. Where When did he work with Marco Silva? In Portugal. Oh, I right. Think. Okay. Well, that yeah. would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they knew each other. I think, I think I'm pretty sure he played under it. Anyway, um, it was like, come and play for me, your old buddy, your old pal. Mm-hmm. I'll use you. Uh, and lo and behold, they did not use him. He used him like an old dish rag. Exactly. Um, so he wasn't best pleased about that, I don't think, um, and would frankly rather have been at Arsenal for that period. So, mm. Well, he wouldn't have played here. Mm, he wouldn't have played no, with us. but Tommy Asu did, you know, go out for the season, and as did Saliba. I don't think he would have played, but he might have, you know, been involved. Mm. Um, I mean, do the people who hang around outside the training ground, would you say they're involved? They're involved in a way. They're certainly involved. <laughs> they're, sure, they're involved. Um, they're good for morale, experience. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think he will think quite carefully about his next move because he's th- he'll be 32 um in on transfer deadline day i think he's 31st of august right I don't know if that is transfer deadline day but it's got to be in that ballpark yeah um so this is probably it for him his next move in terms of being like a, a contributor somewhere well i mean it's gonna be a you know a downward move it would be fair to say you would think mm. You would think, unless something I mean, quite extraordinary happens. Is this going to be another one of those where, you know, it's sort of like, here, just take this. Don't say it to anyone. Just, you know, you can go now. And it's a, you know. Like a little bag of money. little bag of money and a carriage clock. Sure. Dear Cedric, thanks for everything. Love thanks for the memories. Mm. Um, but it's time to say goodbye. What's transfer market saying? We gave him like a 10-year deal, didn't we? We gave him a long deal, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, next summer he expires. <laughs> oh, poor guy. That's not... I oh, mean, sorry. He'll His contract thinking, expires. Oh, sorry. He'll, he'll probably be thinking, 
well, I'll I will collect this wage unless I'm told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? I mean, listen, I, wouldn't if someone comes in for him? Obviously, Arsenal will be amenable. They're literally trying to buy a right back right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that age, with a high salary, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a ton of. I don't think. I don't think the competition is going to be intense. No. With no. the greatest of respect. Maybe a move back to Portugal. Yes, that feels plausible. Yeah, which is one of those where you're not going to get a big fee from a Portuguese club and. You're probably going to have to give him his wages to get him out the door. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't think we're going to make a ton of money on it. That's for sure. No sign of Nicolas Pepe today. I don't know if he was involved in summer internationals, if that's why he wasn't there. But there's another one, another guy with a year left on his deal. Um, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Again, I think it, it could be. I made a question about it, actually. Uh, let me see if I could find it. Uh, I. Can't actually. Okay, yeah, it comes from Tom on the Discord. He says, Hi. Um, do you see a way for Pepe to be part of the squad next season? I get that he has been a major bust, but if nobody will take on his wages, isn't it better to keep an experienced and somewhat capable winger in the squad for Carabao Cup, early FA Cup, mop up duty? He says mob up duty. I think he means mop up duty, unless Pepe is, you know, heavily involved with organized crime. I don't think it's mob up, but uh, would that I be think better? Just a deal. Would that be better than, uh, you know, paying him to leave? Do you see any way that he might feature in the squad next season under Mikel Arteta? Honestly, no, I really don't. Mm. I would be amazed. I know, I see all the logical reasons of he's difficult to move on. We could maybe do with one more attacker in the mix. Uh, he's on a high salary. Who's going to take him? I completely understand all the points. We've had a couple of questions like that. I just can't see Mikel Arteta using him in any way. Mm. I, I find it very, very hard to imagine. Same, you- same, same. I think I always think of that that moment in the um, the away game against Aston Villa where he brought Pepe on, I think. It was the one where Bernd Leno was playing in gold. Do you remember? I do. And he brought Pepe on, and the minute he brought him on, he was, like, cajoling him, and I'm being diplomatic here, you know, up and down the touchline. And then he gave away he gave away a really dangerous free kick really late in the game. Yeah, I think that was the free kick, perhaps, uh, that, that Leno made the save. He did, yeah. But it reminded me of that bit in The Simpsons where Lisa tells Ralph Wiggum that he doesn't want to or she doesn't want to be his Valentine and it's that one you can look you can see the moment that his heart breaks and Ralph is like but that's the moment where (laughs) I think Mikel Arteta just that that was his moment with Pepe where he went no no Mm. I can't whatever it is I'm not having what this guy's given me so I would like you I would be absolutely amazed yeah I I just but where does he go? Where does he go? France. Or Nottingham Forest or something. <laughs> Nottingham Forest. They'll buy anybody. Yeah. They'll buy another 22 players this summer. The Saudi League? Maybe. Maybe. Do you have any reservations about Arsenal doing that? Like, 
do you have to feel any conflict about, you know, we've had big debates about sports washing and the influx of Saudi money into the Premier League. But if Arsenal were to turn around and say, like, we've sold Pepe for 20 million, would there be any sort of shred of uh, conflict within you? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. No. I don't just think laughing so. all the way to the bank, I guess. I, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, it's, you'd be foolish not to take the money if it was on offer because everybody else is going to take the money if it's on offer for players that they no longer want. Of course. You know, so I, you know, I'm not too, I'm not sure too many football clubs can take the moral high ground on anything anyway. Sure. So. I wouldn't I expect Arsenal fair. to turn that down. I, I sort of slightly feel these Saudi deals appear to be a bit more about who you know. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure that Arsenal have quite the same connections as certain other Premier League clubs do mm. to make those deals happen. But it'd be very welcome if they did. Yeah, yeah. No sign of Reese Nelson, who is now completely out of contract? He's gone AWOL. Has he? No, I just mean, you oh. know, he's, he's a free agent now. <laughs> well, I mean... He is, he literally, literally is. Uh, mm. Does that preclude him from training with the club until such time as something is arranged or not arranged? It must, right? Because the, there's probably insurance and like what happens if he comes to training and, you know, slips on one of Ben White's flip-flops, injures himself in the workplace, but you're not, ins you're not even supposed to be here. You don't have a contract. This is your I think, fault. I don't know. I, I do know that when he signs his contract, it will almost certainly be backdated. So he'll be paid from the expiry of his previous deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so he won't go out of pocket for this period. Well, I wasn't footballers, that worried about that. You know, Sure. I mean, footballers rarely do. <laughs> um, I don't know about the legality of if he can train. It's a really interesting question. Let's find out. Let's find but, out. Yeah, it is a curious one. He's he's not a complete anomaly, as we talked about last week. There are, you know, it does happen, and it happens more often down the leagues. I have to say, when where you know contracts do tend to go closer to the end, and there's a bit more uncertainty about who you're going to be able to pay next season. It's not that unusual to mm. get to the summer in the lower divisions for a club to then make calls, you know, and and it, it may be that they go beyond the expiry. But yeah, it's not a regular occurrence at, at the top level. Yeah, it's a strange. It is a strange one. I can't really remember it happening at Arsenal before. Um, no. So we'll like see what happens. Dennis Burkamp, who would run his like very close to the wire, it would always be done. I think before the end of the season. For sure, for sure. As you know, he put in one of those performances, and everyone's chanting "One more year, one more year." Mm. Um, I mean, I think this is just an interesting one anyway, because I know that some people would have maybe reservations about Reese Nelson, um, you know, about what he can contribute. And, and, you know, we've had the discussion about how much is he going to play, you know, when you consider who is ahead of him in the pecking order and will probably remain ahead of him in the pecking order. But is it the kind of deal that Arsenal maybe need to do in a summer where there's going to be a lot of expenditure? We're unsure of how much money is going to come in and we still do need squad depth we do need players who can come in and rotate for cup games and and provide um you know quality and cover um which i think he did to to pretty good effect last season even if the amount of minutes he played was was quite small 
is this just sort of the easy way of doing that because you can't go out and buy for every position? Well, exactly. You know, I think if you were to ask someone, well, who would you like instead of Nelson? There's a decent chance they'd list you a player who'd cost you 50 million quid. Mm. And Arsenal can't, that's not the choice Arsenal have. You know, they're spending so much money already this summer. Uh, they probably haven't got the capacity to be like, well, we also like a winger. So can we have another 60 million quid for that? Only by selling players could they get to that sort of position. Um, I think there are certain parallels with Eddie Nketiah 12 months ago, academy player, homegrown player. Everything you eventually get on him will be considered profit. If you do turn him over and sell him in the market, better to do that at some point than lose him for free. Mm. But I think I think even saying that is a bit of a disservice because I think Mikel Arteta really believes that Reese Nelson can contribute. I don't think he's doing this thinking we've got to protect his value, we don't want to lose him for nothing. I genuinely think Arteta sees him as someone who can play mm. a part in the group next season. Um, I think he saw him as someone who could do that in the running and, and brought him on multiple times ahead of other players who you might have considered more established or, or more experienced. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with him. Um, let me ask you this one before we take a little break and go into part two and do some more questions. Okay. Uh, we had a number of questions about this uh, this person who retired this week uh, from football, mm. uh, KP on the Discord. I know not everyone holds Sesk in high regard, but personally, I loved him and believe him to be one of our best ever players, certainly in the Emirates era. Where do you think he ranks in Arsenal history or just uh, the Emirates era? And Jay Mart says, uh, good evening, gents. What are your favorite memories of Sesk Fabregas in an Arsenal shirt? Oh. <sighs> Uh, favourite memories I was there for Sesk's debut when he played against Rotherham Rotherham yeah wearing yeah. 57 was that number right? 57 on the back of his shirt I think he was 16 years old mm -hmm. maybe even younger uh, let's have a look Sesk Fabregas Rotherham I've got I think he was 16 wasn't he just uh, we better check it I mean I think he came over at 15 but maybe yeah the debut was at 16 um, here we go Arsenal.com youngest gunner 16 years and 177 days. And I just remember the kind of how extraordinary that was. And you've got to remember this was near, now that was 20 years ago. So English football, although it had begun to evolve and be quite exciting, playing against a team like Rotherham, you know, they were very much adult men <laughs> uh, <laughs> and quite a physical in their approach. And this, he was a child basically. Um, and it wasn't that he was spectacular, but he looked absolutely comfortable in that setting and that environment. Mm -hmm. And I think at that age to be doing that is extraordinary. And, you know, actually a lot of the time people want to see teenagers when they play, make like a, an amazing impact or, and, and Cesc would do that before long, but I think even being able to kind of hang and cope and, uh, survive in those in that conditions under that spotlight playing against experienced players at that sort mm. of age is in itself incredibly impressive so yeah i mean I when, remember that very well when you think about the, the team that he came into yeah think about that team and think about those players and think about how young he was and how as you say 
just incredibly comfortable and on the level, on the same level as those guys. You know, and I'm not saying he was better than, you know, certain players or whatever, but, you know, he was there and he was playing with Patrick Vieira. He was playing with Gilberto Silva. He was playing with Edu. He was playing with Ray Parler, Perez, Jumberg, Thierry Henry, Dennis. But, you know, it's it's extraordinary now to think of a player of that age coming into a team of that quality and just, you know, adding to it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. Um uh, and then I remember, uh, you know, the following summer, it was the Community Shield, and Cesc had been, like, quite involved in pre-season, and he started the Community Shield, age 17, uh, against Manchester United. Arsenal won really convincingly, won 3-1. Um, and that, I think, was the origin of the... He's only 17, he's better than Roy Keane, because yeah, Roy yeah, Keane yeah. was his opposite number, you know, for yeah. Manchester United that day, and... Um, Sesk absolutely bossed it, uh, which you know, yeah. From then on, it was kind of strength to strength. I mean, I know you've got a soft spot for the the Spurs goal, right? Oh, well, who doesn't? Who doesn't yeah. have a soft spot for that goal? I was, I was at that game, so I, I remember it really well, still celebrating the first goal, and and it went through, he went through and, and scored that. I mean, some amazing goals, amazing passes, you know. I just really, really loved him as a player, and I don't, you know, need to get into what happened next and all the rest of it. Um, you know, people can think whatever they want; they can hold their own opinions. I just absolutely loved him. I think one of my favorite moments as well was the night Aaron Ramsey had his leg broken, mm. and there was a bit of back and forth between him. Did he score the third goal or did he set up the third goal? I think we won 3-1. I think. Uh, maybe scored. Maybe he scored that goal. Like really late in the game, an injury time to make it safe. And he ran up the touchline going to Tony Pulis. And I fucking loved that. Because he did have a bit of edge to him. He had a bit of spike to him, you know? Like all the best players. Um, he had a bit of that to him, even at a, a very young age, and he he took on a lot of responsibility for 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 someone of his age as well. Um, yeah, he scored you know, a penalty captain. that day to give Arsenal the lead, and then <clears throat> his shot was parried out for Vermaelen to get the Vermaelen. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so many moments. I think uh, the goal in Milan. Mm-hmm. The hug on the touchline with Arsene Wenger. Yeah. I was at White Hart Lane when he absolutely smashed one into the top corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the game with two screamers, one from him and one, one from, from Adibayor. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, count- I mean, obviously, yeah, countless memories. And it's interesting his legacy for some is tainted. I mean, I was, I was even thinking about this with reference to Declan Rice because, you know, you would think came through at West Ham, big club captain, helped to a European trophy, wants to pursue his ambitions. You would kind of think that they're getting 100 million, 105 million pounds potentially for him. You'd think the West Ham fans would largely be kind of at peace and cool with that. But even he's been on the end of quite a lot of stick, I gather, from West right. Ham supporters. And it's um, just the way of football fans, isn't it? That, you yeah. know, we're, we're loyal to one club and one club alone. And... Yeah, I think the older you get, the more the more you understand it's a job for them. And it's a precarious job at times. You know, I think 
they're obviously extremely well paid and all the rest of it. But if a football club wants rid of you, football club will get rid of you in no uncertain terms. You know, they'll pay you loads of money and make you go somewhere else. Um, but you know what I mean? I think mm. I think it's just the way of, of football fans that we can be quite an unforgiving bunch. And, you know, there are obviously some, we all have our, our favorites and, and players we don't like and scenarios that we don't like and all the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just I just thought he was a, a, a really amazing football player, and I was you know privileged to to watch him at Arsenal for not as long as I would have liked, but for as long as we did. You know, something Arsenal have done better and done more of in recent years is kind of keeping players, ex players, involved and connected with the club, or, or bringing them back into the fold. And mm. I know he's done his some of his coaching badges. Um, at London Colney, working with the academy sides. What's your hunch? Do you think that Sesk is someone who could have a, a part to play at Arsenal in the future? I don't know. I don't know about Arsenal. I mean, he clearly wants to be a coach or a manager. I think he's someone who thinks very intelligently about the game. When you see him doing his little bits of punditry, I know he hasn't done a great deal, but I always think he speaks quite well and talks about the game um, with real passion. Now there's no guarantee that, you know, we've seen it before. Lots of great players want to move into coaching and management and don't quite make the grade. But I just have a sneaky feeling about him. I don't know where exactly he's going to end up, but I, I think he's smart enough and, and understands the game well enough um, that he's going to give it a good go anyway. It's all about opportunity and where you, where maybe you land your first job or, uh, and where that takes you, how well you do, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's definitely going to stay in the game for a while, isn't he? Yeah. And, and my gut feeling would be, sure, why not? I could see him back at Arsenal in some capacity. But then if you'd asked me, well, will Tony Adams be back at Arsenal as a coach one day? I would have said, sure, I'll put my house on it yeah. you know, and it hasn't happened and Patrick Vieira I'd say oh yeah that's a sure thing at some time he'll be back at Arsenal well so far it's not happened mm. things can be appear predestined and in this very unpredictable world of football uh, it doesn't ultimately mean that no. did I see um, Vieira's got a new job is it with Strasbourg, Strasbourg I believe right who are of course uh, the second club in the Chelsea owners multi-club mm. model I believe that's that's a podcast in the making. I think this multi-club thing. Mm. I don't know that that's really a positive development for football. I think it's open to. I think there's uh, people we could talk to about that. I think who would be more um, have greater expertise on it than than I do right now. But it doesn't quite sit right with me. You know, I know Man City yeah. have got all their clubs and all the rest of it, but pff, I think it's I think it's iffy. I did see a big piece actually on uh, Yosimar that Philippe Auclair, uh has just put out about uh, a private investors group in the U.S. called Seven 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 who bought quite a number of football clubs. Mm. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But uh, as ever with Philippe stuff, I'm sure it's very well investigated. So uh, I look forward to having a go at that. Will we take a break? Let's do this. Okay. Hold up. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two, where we answer questions that you sent to us on Twitter, which might work or might not work. You tried to send to us on Twitter. We don't know. I mean, maybe you did. Maybe some of the ones we're seeing are real. Maybe they're not real. Who knows what we're getting, but at yeah. Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. But definitely on the Discord that you get access to if you're an Arsblog member on Patreon, you can do that by signing up at patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Um, do you want to have a crack at the question? Do you want to have a crack at a first question in this part? Yeah, Why sure. Not? This question is from KT on the Discord. A name which is sort of suspicious when you hear the content of the question. Okay. Last summer, no one saw Kieran Tierney falling out of favour the way that he did, even with the arrival of Sinchenko. It's impossible for me to not imagine that this question has been written by Kieran Tierney. But there you go. Do it it in a Scottish accent. Go on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Okay, (laughs) I won't. Because we have got some Scottish listeners and we wish to retain them. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Do you foresee... (laughs) Uh, Do you foresee... Any such surprises next year where one of our key players from last season falls out of favour due to an evolution within the team? Well, Kieran, it's a great question. First of all, we're sorry <laughs> about what's happened. Um, Darwin's got a lot to apologise for. I mean, it's keep evolving. <laughs> it is possible, but I don't quite know what it's going to be. You know, there's, I think... You know, there are certain things that are happening in terms of uh, arrivals that are going to rejig the team and change the way we play slightly. Uh, And I think that's necessary as well. You don't just want to do what you did last season because everyone's kind of wise to that. So you do need some tactical variation or flexibility. But exactly what that might be, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I mean just thinking about players coming in and I do have a question about uh, Timber which might be sort of related to this Mm. so let me just ask it because it it is in this kind of ballpark it comes from Johnny B AFC on the Discord he said good evening gents Uh, with the likely and it could be announced by the time you record hasn't been uh, the arrival of Timber what do you think the impact if any will be on Ben White it would be uh, it would be unusual for Mikel Arteta to pay such a sum for a defender and not use him frequently and from what I've seen of him he looks very exciting but where and when does he play it feels a little out there as Ben White has been such a revelation there with his link up with Saka and was one of the standout performers of the past year um, 
so yeah, wh- I mean, what what do you think of that? Well, I, I think I, I think I said like was it last week? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I have a sneaky feeling that Timber could be a starter by the end of next season, and and I say that as someone who really really thinks Ben White is an excellent player. Um, so. In answer to the first question, you know, who could be the Tierney of this year? I don't think it would be the same for Ben White. I don't think the team is going to evolve dramatically in some way that uh, suits Timber much more than White. I just think that he is proper, proper competition. Mm. Uh, To the extent that I don't think there's a great deal between them. But, you know, the second question said it's rare for a Mikel Arteta to spend that much money on a defender without starting them. Well, he spent even more money on Ben White. So mm. I just think I just think it provides options, you know, in the same way that City at times have had, you know, a, a multitude of defenders, some who they could use at centre back, some they could use at right back, left back. I'm thinking of times they played sort of Nathan Ake or, or Laporte even at full back. I just think that's how Arteta will look upon it. Yeah. He'll look at it as more of a pool of players to select from than, you know, a, a, we, a clear first choice. Yeah, we've, we've got to start thinking more of a squad than a team, mm-hmm. you know? So that would be the way I would think of that when it comes to Ben White and, and Urian Timber. I did a bit of watching of him, actually, after you spoke about him in such glowing terms last week. And... Um, you thought he was crap? No, I, I thought he was like, Oof, this guy looks good. Um, did a bit he, of he does look very good. He right? does, yeah. There are a lot of qualities in in the bits that I saw that I was going, oh, I can see why Mikel Arteta likes him. Um, yeah. I was on Y Scout doing it. Obviously, we have a a new player podcast. Uh, for every new signing that we make, we have those over on Patreon. Um, and in preparation for that one, I you know I was looking at his stats and looking at clips of him, and he looks a very very good player. Even though he's played primarily as a centre half for Ajax, looking at how he plays and what he does, and particularly what he does with the ball and ball progression, whether that's with passing or or how he carries the ball, I think he's I think he's there for the right hand side, you know. I think that's what it is. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what he brings to the team. And and look, I think Ben White is an amazing player. I really love uh, watching him. But I also think that there are times where, you know, you do need to manage the minutes of, of very good players. Like they will give you, I think, you know, Ben White has given us a lot in, in the two years that he's been here. But if I was to suggest that towards the end of each season, he probably wasn't at a hundred percent. I don't think that's doing him any disservice. It's simply a, a, a reflection of, of how much he's had to play um, without n- the necessary sort of backup slash competition. So yeah. this solves that problem, I think. And both Timber and White can play center half, you know, Saliba yeah. and Gabrielle, we, you know, we know they're an excellent partnership, and obviously the Saliba injury cost us dear, but we have to remember they, those two did play pretty much every game up until that point. Uh, certainly in the Premier League, they were mm. really consistent in terms of how much football they played. Um, I'm not saying that fed into the Saliba injury, but you know, I, I think the, the more games we play, the more we're going to need to occasionally mix it up. And these guys help us do that. I also think that Timber 
we talk about him as a defender and we talk about him as a right back and that is what he is but in terms of how he affects the way we play and what the job he can do for us you know when we talk about maybe losing Thomas Partey from the midfield I think in the same way that Zinchenko is someone who ostensibly played at left back but made us stronger in midfield I think Timber absolutely has the potential to do that from the right hand side mm. um his ability on the ball is that of a midfield player and he's so comfortable kind of tucking in field and operating in those spaces. So, yeah, I, 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 he is obviously kind of the least maybe known in this country. He's obviously come from outside the Premier League, unlike Havertz and Rice of our three signings. But I'm very, very, very keen to see him in action and, and see how he gets on. Uh, I enjoyed this question um, from Shaka Laka on the Discord goes like this. With the hopefully imminent arrival of Timber, what does this mean for our rip-roaring fullback Cedric? I'm by no means calling Timber not good-looking, but getting rid of beefcakes like Pablo Marie, Xhaka, in one window, does this just mount more pressure on our club captain and manager as good-looking bastards? <laughs> A lot to digest. There was, yeah, I don't need the answer. I just wanted to read that out because I just enjoyed that stream of consciousness. Like he started asking about what would Timber mean for Cedric? And there's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we're not as handsome as we used to be. Maybe we've, we've got to get some. We've given Cedric a lot of time on this yeah. show. Um, we, are we a bit less handsome? Perhaps. Uh, that is something that we may need to address in what mm. remains of the window. Still loads uh, of time. Loads of time. Yeah, that's true. Um, Eugene Krabs, who I hope I've written that down right. I took the unusual step of writing down people's names today. I've gone analog. He's from Cockermouth, by the way. Ah, that makes sense. Says, morning. Where's he writing from? Uh, assuming Balogun goes, what is your... Sorry. I'd make a real hash of this. Right. Morning. Assuming Bal Balogun goes, who is your second-choice striker if Gabriel Jesus doesn't start? I guess the options are Eddie, Trossard, Havertz and Martinelli at a push. For what it's worth, I feel somewhere between meh and okay about those options. Um, I mean, the, the obvious one, I think, is, is Eddie, just because we gave him a deal. He's got the number 14 shirt and he is a striker and he has you know, started up top for us quite a lot. Trossard was good when he played there. Um, what are the other options? Martinelli? Havertz. Havertz. I mean, I don't think we've signed Havertz from Chelsea where he was playing as a striker and having a terrible time to play him as a striker here. I think the plan for him is different. You know, he can, yeah, and, he and can do if, it. Let's say he's playing midfield. I think what we know about Arteta is... He he does like to sort of disrupt as few units as he mm. possibly can. So if Havertz is part of our regular midfield and Jesus doesn't play, mm. I think he'd rather draft someone else in than than shift a player who he sort of considers integral to the structure or the yeah. shape. So I think though I think it. I mean, I I kind of feel a little bit the same as Eugene there. Mm -hmm. Like okay, a bit. Mm. Mm. But could be better. It could yeah. be better. Um, like I'm not. I think Eddie will score you goals if he starts sufficient numbers of games. We've had the discussion about how he doesn't really doesn't really score off the bench. 
I just don't know if he will start that many games. I, no, I mean, me, if Jesus is fit, he doesn't start. Yeah, and for me, I, for me, Trossard's ahead of Eddie in that pecking order. Mm. In terms of how he helped the fluidity of the team last season when he came in, his intelligence, his understanding of the sort of false nine kind of job that Jesus often does for us, I just think he he makes the team better than Eddie does. Mm. Um, I do and then think, what you're looking at, yeah. you're looking at lots of minutes off the bench, but his impact off the bench is sort of negligible, really. I do think, you know, there is a bit of a, there is a bit of room for improvement in that area, but I don't know if it's realistically doable this summer because well, of what we're spending. there's room for improvement, but I'm not sure there's masses of room, both in terms of numbers and in terms of, Money. I mean, yeah. if you if you were to sell both Balagoon and Enkedia, then you probably have sufficient funds for another striker. But oh, yeah, um, you know, I'm just trying to think who else do the other teams have? Like after Holland, it's um, what's his name, Alvarez. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and he's I mean, a good, Chelsea he's a good went player. And Nicholas Jackson this summer, and I think that's you know that's not a sure thing at all mm. for the centre forward position um, Spurs have obviously got Kane and Richarlison <laughs> uh, <laughs> Manchester United don't really have a centre forward but they have know. Veghorst and they have Martial and they have Rashford who can play there they but I know what you're saying one. yeah they desperately need a, a quality one Liverpool um not Darwin. really a, well, they've Darwin, but yeah, they're not, yeah, they haven't been like a team that's been reliant on a center forward for a lot of goals, you know? That's true. Um, hmm. I, I agree. There is room for improvement, but I, I think it would require both those strikers to yeah. go. Which I think is a tall order, really. Yeah. Let me just mention this one. Paul Jacobs, who's at Jacobs underscore PR on Twitter, said, how can we agree terms with Rice before West Ham? Since when did agreeing personal terms with a player before having permission become normal? Isn't it tapping up? Not just Rice. Every rumoured link this summer includes a line about personal terms already agreed. And I just wanted to mention that in the context of the video you did last week. Uh... Mm -hmm. which sort of explains the workings of a transfer that, you know, ostensibly, yes, it is tapping up, but that's just the way it works. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very good watch on how transfers work. And across the summer, you've been doing really good stuff on the uh, on your YouTube channel. So people uh, get over to YouTube and subscribe uh, to James uh, on YouTube and you get videos on various aspects of things that are going on um, and some behind the scenes, not behind the scenes kind of stuff, but the inner workings of the transfer market and bits and bobs. So um, they're well worth a watch. Uh, There's some so behind the scenes of my house. You know, and yes. various houses in which I'm staying. Uh, you see, you know, a bit of behind the scenes there. Yes. But it's but, mainly just transfer. But that, that one is good, the the one about how transfers work. And yeah. that is one of the points we talk about, kind of the chronology of how these things happen. And yeah, the question's absolutely right. Technically, if you want to go to court over it, it probably is tapping up. Um don't tell West Ham that now. No. Uh, and I think, to be fair, in that situation in particular, 
everyone has been very aware for some time that Declan Rice will be going this summer. I mean, he turned down a very lucrative contract with West Ham because that was his intention. Mm-hmm. And I guess ultimately what you've got to say is like, you know, West Ham are going to get a lot of money here, an awful lot of money that's going to be incredibly useful to them. I don't think they want to sort of upset that apple cart by lodging a complaint with the FA. Mm. Um and also, every deal West Ham are doing this summer to bring someone in probably involves a similar degree of, yeah. you know, inverted commas, tapping up. Yeah. It's the way of the world. And it's partly why intermediaries and third parties exist to give everyone involved plausible deniability. Mm. You know, I didn't sit down with X player. I just happened to meet someone who represents them and many other players. <laughs> it's pure coincidence. How, how was I to know after phoning him up and arranging a coffee <laughs> that he was uh, so that involved? the father of Declan Rice would be his representative. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's just the culture of it. But, it, you know, when it happens to our players, we are furious. I mean, we all remember Ashley Cole and Chelsea and that round. I mean, that was a bit, um, mm. what's the word? Flagrant? Yes. Yeah. That was that was a the the context of that was a lot different. You know, West Ham would have been fully aware that uh that Declan Rice wanted to leave and you know they know how the transfer market works, but yeah, that was that was certainly a different one. Let me ask you this one. Matt Randolph, who's at Vidigal73 on Twitter, says we put in huge bids for Rafinha Mudrick in the previous two windows. It was clear we were seriously pursuing a pacey direct wide forward to compete with our existing options. Do you think that has changed or will we look to sign one before the window closes? I think that's a great question because it was something that was on, on the agenda last summer, but we kind of didn't quite get to it. You know, in the final weeks of the summer window, we prioritized a defensive midfielder over someone like Mudrick mm-hmm. ended up getting neither. Then obviously went very, very, very hard for Mudrick in January to the tune of hundred million euros. Um, didn't get him, got mm. Trossard, who is, a, I think, a different type of player, but who has done superbly, really, since he came in. And we're not seeing rumours about another kind of flying winger. And we've since extended uh, Reese Nelson's contract. We look like we are intent on keeping Emil Smith Rowe. We still have Martinelli and Saka. Mm-hmm. We've got Gabriel Jesus, who can play there if required. And that 100 million that we had uh, reserved for Mudrick has been, I would imagine, otherwise deployed. I don't think it's like we've done 200 million pounds worth, or about to do 200 million pounds worth of business this summer, but we've still got the 100 million we had for Mudrick yeah. tucked away in a back pocket. Don't um, think so. <laughs> I think that resource has been allocated differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because Arteta has been sufficiently encouraged by Trossard and Nelson and maybe Smith Rowe to mean he's probably going to stick with what he's got there for now. Let me ask you a follow-up question then from Emil, A239. Do you agree Andrew first? Or do you think we, we could do it? I think we really need to sell 
very well. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to splash out two hundred million. We spent what did we spend in January? Fifty million in January. Yeah. We we spent how much last summer? Like Jesus Inchenko, Vieira. You know, another hundred and ten there thereabouts. You know, it's a lot of money. Also, the summer before, wasn't it? You know, big, like big money the summer before as well on all the players on Ben White, Tommy Asu, Ramsdale, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I think uh, other things that we do this summer are going to be highly dependent on what we can bring in, how much we can sell. If only we had a goalkeeper from Cockermouth. They're very valuable, it seems. It seems so. So what was your follow-up question? Follow-up question was from Emil A239, who said, who will be Saka's backup when the new season starts? Nelson, Havertz, another new signing, or, like last season, no one at all? Hmm. He can't possibly play all the games. He's going to play a lot of games, but he can't possibly play them all. Hmm. I have to imagine it's going to be... I don't think Trossard can really play on the right, to be honest with you. I no. Think he's all right on the left. I think he's good through the middle. I've not seen him really do it on the right-hand side. I mean, he can, and he has played there a bit, but I understand what you're saying about... Mm. It hasn't worked when he's done it at Arsenal particularly well. Yeah. Um, we've never... We haven't seen Smith-Rowe play there for years, I would say. Mm-hmm. He did it as a kid a fair bit. Um, I remember him doing it under Unai Emery in the first team. Um, we've seen Vieira play there pretty unsuccessfully. So I think it's going to be between Nelson and Jesus. I think they're the two that I would look at as being the most apt to to fill in for him. What, what do you think? Mm, I mean, Nelson came on for him when he got injured that time against Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Nelson scored a couple of goals and he came he came on for him. So, I mean, he does fit the bill. But, you know, Mikel Arteta likes what he likes and I think he likes having a left-footed player in that so position. Pepe Remontada. <laughs> not quite. Uh, not quite. But, yeah, maybe it'll be... Maybe it'll be Nelson. Um, I mean, Havertz played there... And has played there quite a bit, not just for Chelsea, but played there for Leverkusen a bit as well. So that just seems like such a different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. But you know, left-footed player. That's yeah. That's yeah, all I got. Right. So I guess we wait and see. One of those we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah. Could Martinelli play there? Maybe has done scored that goal against Newcastle. Was it? Little ball over the top from yeah, Tommy Asu yeah. and a Tommy lovely Asu, finish. So he has played there and, and done okay there, so it's it's possible. I prefer Martinelli out there to Trossard, just on sort of pure mm. gut feeling. Um, this is a non-Arsenal question, mm -hmm. but uh, where is it? Just curious. I had it. I had it, Andrew. It's from Johnny at Fruit All Sorts. Hi, Johnny. Johnny was the man, I the believe, who wrote the lyrics to... Fuck magpies forever. Yep, that's the guy. Um, so he's got a special place in my heart. He says, evening, gentlemen, curiosity more than anything. What teams from other leagues have a soft spot in your hearts? For example, I keep an eye out for Hibs, AFC Wimbledon and St. Pauli. I know, hipster. 
Uh, and why, if you could be bothered? Um, Do you have one, Andrew? Not really. No. Not really. I mean, I used to go to Barcelona a bit when I lived there, but there's yeah. too much. Too much has gone on between us and Barcelona for me to to have a soft spot. Soft spot for the city, not necessarily the the football team. I remember when. Remember when lockdown happened and football came back in Germany, I think, a good few weeks before the Premier League came back. And I remember saying, you know what, I'll pick a team in the Bundesliga and I'll, you know, watch them and I'll get my football fixed that way. And I picked Union Berlin. Okay. And I just couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't fake it. Just couldn't fake it. Yeah. So I'm sorry it's a boring answer, but I, you know, one club guy, what can I tell you? Wow. What about you? True loyalty. Um, oh, I've, I've got loads. I'm not as principled as you. <laughs> uh, uh, local team. So, te- you know, I was born in Watford opposite the stadium. Um, I, I've been, I used to go and watch them. In the days where I didn't have an Arsenal season ticket, I went to Watford quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Saw them win a playoff final. Nick Wright scored an overhead kick. Beautiful scenes. It was always kind of magical and mad to me that mm. Watford were in the Premier League. It sort of seemed <laughs> insane. Um, this is, you know, obviously pre Pozzo and uh, all that. But um, so they'd be up there, Boreham Wood, of course. Yeah. The local team where my family lived. Uh, and a little bit QPR. There's a lot of QPR in the family. Right. Again, they're sort of local-ish, but sort of harmless to me. (laughs) Uh, I don't count them as sort of a perceived threat. Sure. So I can indulge. I suppose the one club that might just fit the bill is um, this whole city. I was going to ask, Carl. Yeah, because I grew did up... Did you ever get to go and watch Hull? Yeah, we did. We went to... My dad used to bring me um, to watch Hull City when they were in the fourth division. Mm. I remember they had a, a goalkeeper called Tony Norman. I think he was, played for Wales. But right. there weren't too many people at those games. And you could hear him swearing at his defenders, which, you know, uh, I was only a small child. My father was keen to keep me away from such language, but then don't bring your small child to a fucking football match. How did that work out for him? You know, yeah. (laughs) Not very well. (laughs) Uh, So I think a little bit whole city, but obviously, you know, we had some moments. You love Phil Brown, of course. Phil Brown, yeah, of course. Who who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah, they they, they sort of blotted their copybook a little bit, you know, during their Premier League era and and all the rest of it. But but that would be be kind of it. Yeah. let me ask you this one then. JDH, who's at JDH underscore 14. He says, good evening. Gabrielle, six foot three. Saliba, six foot four. White, six foot one. Rice, six foot one. Havert, six foot four. How important is this next year? As well as effectiveness on the pitch, our best teams won the game in the tunnel, in inverted commas, with their physical stature. Is this important in the modern game or not? It is. It is important. Mm. And I actually think what I would say is go and look at the Man City squad because we think 
as Man City, of Man City as this uh, very, very technical team. Mm-hmm. But they are maybe more physical than they've ever been. I would say we are currently looking at the biggest Pep Guardiola team in terms of physical stature that there has ever been. Mm. Um, That's true. Because they used they to be, are, you know, small guys at, at Barcelona with, you know, the occasional Busquets or Puyol. I mean, Puyol wasn't even that big. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But they are a very physically imposing team as well as being technically incredible. Yeah. I mean, Haaland is obviously kind of the the cherry on the cake there. But look at uh, Rodri or, um, you know, the centre-halves they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, even someone like Kevin De Bruyne. You know, it's, it's got to be verging on six foot. Um, he is, pretty yeah. Pretty powerful with it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're up against. I just think at the sort of sharp end of the Premier League, physical physicality is such a crucial component. Uh, so I don't think it's coincidence that we are bringing in height. And also you've got to look at, you know, in Shaka, we're losing a player who is a six footer, decent in the air. We've got to atone for that yeah 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 no i mean i think there's there's no coincidence that we've got a big central defensive partnership you know those guys those guys are are good footballers good defenders but you know you're not knocking them over there's very few players in the premier league who are going to win a physical battle against gabriel or william saliba maybe holland is about the only one Mm -hmm. you know um but I think as well, there's some basic things that you need in a team, you know, when you're setting up a team defensively, defending set pieces, having height in your penalty area is a good thing. You know, uh, you don't have to be the biggest guy in the world to be a good header of the ball, but, you know, there are other teams who are going to use their physicality as well. You have to be able to match them physically as well as technically. So, yeah, I think it is, I think it is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, AFC Brady on mm-hmm. Discord says, assuming Rice and Timber deals go through, I think that is a fair assumption, mm-hmm. can we consider this Arsenal's best transfer window of the Emirates era? I know there is still plenty of time for more comings and outgoings will be another key element, but with the players we brought in and the current players we have extended, I believe it just might be the best to date. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, obviously the signings are one thing, but if you couple that with, if we count the Bukayo Saka extension, um, we could see a William Saliba extension in this summer as yeah. well. Reese Nelson, let's not leave him out. Um, yeah. Would it be up there? I mean, obviously we have to see how it works out. Um I mean, that's the thing. You, it's very difficult to assess a window purely on the business done. And especially in July, you know, yeah. especially in July. I mean, what you would say is you can't fault the the ambition of what we've done so far. What we've, you know, been trying to do for months and months and months, you know, is to put in place this plan that we have, you know, to bring in the West Ham captain to bring in Havertz to bring in Timber you know these are these are not things we just decided to do at the start of the summer they've been in motion for for quite a while so on that basis I think you 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 can say it's very impressive 
What I would say, though, and we've maybe talked about this, is that I do think that this window is a is a it's double glazed, shall we say, yeah. because we have to sell well for this to be a good window for Arsenal. Like we can improve the team for sure, but for it to be a really good window, I think we've got to sell well also, um, because that's been a problem. And if we don't see some uh, improvement in that regard, I think it's reasonable uh, to question that because we do have players who are now more valuable assets and more coveted by other clubs than at any time I can think of in the last five or six years. You know, even our best players, other clubs didn't really want them. You know, the Alexis thing, Maybe, but beyond that, you know. Well, even when they did, yeah, we just got a crappy Mickey. Um, so yeah, I think that's how you judge this window. Obviously, at the end of it, um, hopefully the players do well, but you know you've got to look at the you've got to look at the sums and see who's here and who's not here and how much they've gone for, and crucially, what that might enable us to do. So. It's, it is amazing football. I, you know, I tweeted something the other day, something like, you know, wow, if Arsenal get three of their major targets over the line, effectively over the line, sort of around the start of July, that's incredibly good going, very efficient, very impressive, very ambitious. I would say 90% of the replies were kind of like, yeah, what else are we going to do? Who else are we going to buy? Mm. What else, who else are we going to bring in? You know what your mistake kind of- was there? Huh? You know what your mistake was? Was. Tweeting. What? Tweeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, I tweeted at a time when people could still see <laughs> tweets. That was also a mistake. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting, right? There is just a kind of endless, avaricious appetite for more. Sure. And, you know, you get stuff done early in the window. Well, it leaves you lots of time to do other things. I think you'll, you make a great point about the sales. And the sales and the incomings and any more, I think, prospective incomings are probably very linked. Mm. Um I think unless we sell players, I, I find it, I struggle to see lots of uh, spots for us to bring people in. Sure. Sure. Uh, but I, it's been, listen, it's been a very good window. I, it's funny. I, I do think that in the kind of fullness of time, when we're talking about this sort of 10 years on, personally, I think the window of not last summer, but the summer before will always be remembered as a kind of critical reset point for the club kickstart kind of yeah yeah that was when they did five players under 23 and under right um mm. and it's not like all those deals have been roaring successes i mean you know Tavares, pretty much a mixed bag sammy laconga the same um tommy asu's had a lot of injuries uh white and ramsdale have been more consistently involved um odegaard's been fucking amazing odegaard's been brilliant so it's not it wasn't perfect but it was Sorry, six players, not five. That's correct. It, it was a huge kind of reset point and a, a turning point for the club, and sent a very, very clear message to us all mm. about we're changing what we're doing and we're changing the yeah. way we're going about it. Um, so that will always sort of uh, hold a special significance, I think, for me. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully, extra special because the you know the journey ends in glory. 
I like this one from Boston Gooner 77 on the Discord. Are either of you worried about a clear flaw in our transfer strategy? The lack of any incoming Gabby or Gabrielles. <laughs> a, a guy stopped me in the street that they'd say like he loved the pod and his name was Gabrielle. And I just thought, yeah, I think he said Gabriel to be fair, but yeah, that, if you're an Arsenal fan these days and your name's Gabriel, I mean, you're changing it, aren't you? No, it's yeah. Gabriel. It's always been Gabriel. <laughs> you're turning up at the training ground asking for a contract as well. Yeah. yeah. You get it's a big part of the recruitment strategy. Um, no, I mean, there's, there's a Gabby Vega on the market, isn't there? That a couple of clubs looking at Chelsea and Man City, I think. Um, but a, a Gabrielle, not seen one. Maybe we've, maybe it's just become too confusing. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it's had to draw a line. And yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I, I need it to be clearer who I'm talking to. Just get me a fucking Mike or a Steve, will you? I need a Steve. Fucking I'll hell. Pay, I'll pay whatever it takes for Steve. <sighs> You've got a Declan. You've got a Declan. That's nice. That's unusual these days. Do you know what? Do, do you want my Declan story? Of course. My second name is Declan. It's all coming out now. It is, yeah. The prophecy is being fulfilled. But, um, yeah, my dad... Is that your saint's name? Is that a thing? No, the, the saint's name is when you take a name for your confirmation. Right, okay. Um, but I was originally going to be called Declan. And my, my father was a little unsure of how the name would go down in England. When, you know, we were living there, this was 1971, so he sure. switched it around. Uh, wow. So, yeah. Do you feel like a Declan? I don't, don't it's know. Hard to, I, I don't hard. see you as a Declan, to be honest. I think you made the right call. I think so. I think so. Um, Obviously, but, he exposed you to way too much swearing, but <laughs> on the name front, yeah, he did all right. Yeah, I did all right. But, you know, I, I'm, it's nice to have a good Irish Declan in the in the team. You know, I'm just trying to think of a Steve we could sign. Unai tried, of course, with Nzonzi. Maybe Edu can find a Brazilian prodigy. Just called Steve. Steve. He just wears Steve on the back of his shirt. <laughs> yeah. He plays in for a world Flamengo. Where there's been a Fred, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. Um, let's do this, this. one. Uh, Ace, A.S. 37 Gooner. He said, gents, I recently watched a film at a VUE cinema. V-U-E? Is that a cinema chain in yeah, the do UK? do you have that in no. Ireland? It used to be Warner Brothers. Right. Cinemas. Uh, I don't know what happened. It changed. Well, Rebranded. Okay. Rebranded, like lots of stuff. And he said, much to my satisfaction, following the announcement to put away phones, the announcer said, let's do this in exactly the way that James does. Have they copied James? Did James copy them? Is it a coincidence? Either way, I crack on with the copywriting. Wow. We need to I, I we need to get the lawyers to work. I haven't been to a view cinema for many years. Um there's Why one in Islington, are you... actually. What? Yeah, there's one in Islington, not far from the ground. Okay. Um but I've not been there for some time. So I I don't I've not heard that. I imagine that since the kind of popularity of Les Dudis has taken off. I imagine View have taken steps to kind of implement that in their presentation. They're piggybacking on yeah. my success. I've just noticed that we do have View cinemas here in Dublin. Well, there's one in... Have I got a job for you? Yeah. Get I, in there and I, see if they're trying to rip me off. I don't like the cinema though, really. You know, there's too many really? people. 
You're all sitting there eating and shit. The screen's so big. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's one in, um, yeah, Clondalkin. There's one in Limerick, one in Blanchardstown, in Kulak. We have a number of view cinemas. Sand, Andrew. Open your eyes. There's view cinemas everywhere. Wow. I'd never even noticed. I've never even noticed. Well, I don't know. They haven't, I'll say this. They haven't contacted me about the use of Les Dudas. I've received no correspondence or income from their use of Les Dudas. Other listeners, should you go to the cinema, report back, let us know. I didn't know they had announcers in the cinema either. I, I thought it's just like, uh, surely pre-recorded. He's not doing it live, is he? Surely they don't have, you know, their own DJ Peter in the booth before every film. No, it's a pre-recorded. It's a pre-recorded sure. thing. Hmm. We'll have to send a correspondent out, right, to find someone to go behind enemy lines. If anyone's in the View Cinema? He doesn't say which View Cinema he was in either. Maybe we can ask him on the Discord and, and find out. I think they're uh, all surely they're all operating in the same way. It's a chain. Yeah. Get in there. Go and find out. Are they infringing on our copyright? Right. Right. Paul, having Paul from Master Vision do it is bad enough. <laughs> and he, he certainly gets into it. He does it you with know, gusto. You know, you, you mentioned my YouTube channel. Yes. Half the comments, because I, I say let's do this sometimes in the videos, <laughs> half the comments are people saying, why are you ripping off Paul's catchphrase? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very irritating. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure me saying that will stop that happening. Yes. You know, Paul is exactly the kind of guy who would stop doing something if he thought it was, you know, yeah, causing yeah, yeah, mischief yeah, yeah. and mayhem. He's not that kind of guy. No, no, no. Um, right. Last one, because we've got to get this podcast out. Thomas, who's at Smartly Done on Twitter. No, that's Smartly Done. He's got a number of whys. He said, if you were both in charge of the Declan Rice announcement video, what would you do? Massive box full of rice. I would ribbon around it. I just That's ha- discussed in part one. Yeah. I just have me a bowl of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never see it coming. Yeah. Who's this? I thought you wanted it to be a surprise, to be fair. Felipe Pasta? Who's that guy? <laughs> Steve Pasta? Steve we pasta. signed Steve Pasta. <laughs> From Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name's Steve Pasta, but he goes by Steve. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Just Steve. Um, but he has Steve on the back of his shirt made out of pasta lettering like a child <laughs> would make. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can get a font for that these days. <laughs> um, listen, we we know we've we've already spoiled Granite Shacker's departure video for everyone. I fear <laughs> we shouldn't spoil the Declan Rice announcement video too. Okay, fair enough. I'm sure they've got something cooked up for us uh, that yes. we will all... That we will all enjoy. Climbing um, out of a big bowl of kedgeri. <laughs> <laughs> Scraping the boiled egg out from his hair. Mmm, smoked haddock. <laughs> Just what you need first thing in the morning. <laughs> kedgeri. I don't even know where I plucked that. I probably haven't eaten. I've probably eaten about three times in my life. Right, well, there you go. There you go. All right, well, look, it's all ahead of us this week. New signings, oh, announcements. Departure videos, welcome videos, Steve Pasta from Brazil. (laughs) Just fucking look forward to it all. Enjoy your Christmas Eves, folks. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being with us. I hope you enjoyed the show a little later than usual. 
Uh, we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.